Hey everyone, and welcome to the Kodakery. I'm Megan. And I'm Josh. Movie theaters have always been a special place. When the lights go down and the collective hard work and imagination of the cast and crew flicker to life on the big screen, we are transported, moved, and changed by the stories we experience. Over time, as theaters became nationwide chains, the experiences become homogenized, and a little of what made going to the movie special was lost to convenience. In the Lower East Side of Manhattan lives a new film theater that curates a filmic and social experience that is unique while also warmly familiar, the Metrograph. The stunning design Alexander Ulch has brought to this cinema, combined with the fantastic programming led by Jake Perlin, had us highly impressed. We sat down in one of their two theaters to talk with them both about what goes on behind the curtain at the Metrograph. So let's jump in and talk with them. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kodakery. We're a travel and show this week and we are at a theater in New York City that everybody should visit, the Metrograph. And we're here with Jake Perlin and Alexander Olch to talk about the Metrograph, its founding, and, and all of the great programming that happens here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here. All right, so let's cut right to the chase. At a time when a lot of people are saying movie theaters are kind of going out and that everybody's going to be just watching stuff at home or on their iPad, you guys have opened a new theater. You're projecting film and digital. You've got some really unique programming. How did this come about? It came about, I guess it's now about seven years ago, when uh, I think I had the honor of meeting the man sitting next to me, Jake. Uh, we met at the New York Film Festival in 2008, and uh, we began traveling around the country uh, as Jake released a movie that I directed. And as we were traveling around, visiting a lot of theaters, uh, I think the idea sort of uh, started uh, that there might be an interesting opportunity to build something together. Uh, and it was kind of twofold. One, uh, Jake's uh, magic and the, and what he brings to his programming, uh, and then two, uh, for me to design something that was a special space. Uh, I think that uh, one thing that um, was inspiring to me as a young boy growing up in Manhattan was all the theaters that I saw movies in, which are now all gone. Uh, so I used to go to places like the Beekman, the Plaza, the Ziegfeld, and as I saw all those uh, gradually vanish one by one, I felt that there was something missing about the places um, where we could watch films. And it was an incredibly long adventure. It took uh, seven years, in fact, to pull this off. But uh, I think we've uh, we've landed here, and I think we're pretty excited about it. Was it hard to get people to buy into the idea of, of opening a theater? I don't know if you had investments or, or getting other people to say, like, yeah, this is a good idea. Was everybody on board or there was any hesitation? Or I think in the beginning of the conversation, there were skeptical looks. Uh, but I think after I rambled on with my uh, harebrained idea, I think the I think it is convincing. I think that, um, you know, there is a lot of conversation now about people watching films at home or on devices. And I think that actually confuses what has actually been going on. It's that uh, I think really people now think in two ways about their their leisure time. They're either going to stay home or they're going to go out. If you're going to stay home, there's a set of options for you there of watching films, ordering food, doing whatever it is that you're going to do at home. If you're going to go out, you're going to have a set of options there. And I think what had just been happening is that going to the cinema was somehow losing out to other things that you would do when going out, whether it's a restaurant, a bar, theater, other things. Uh, and really, if you think of it that way, that just 
were making um, going to the theater uh, be as exciting as any other thing that you might do um, if you're going to go on a date, if you're going to hang out with friends, uh, that that very simple idea was not um, being served in the marketplace. Uh, that's how I would talk to uh, people. And once you sort of get your head around that idea, I think I do think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there's more than just a theater here. There's a bookstore, there's a, a restaurant. Why did you think that was important as well to have? Well, what is special about movies, I think, is how social they are. Um, you can't really, although Jake has shown a couple, I think, that are almost made by one person uh, by themselves. But in general, it is uh, a group activity. And, and the energy of that, I think, actually comes through to an audience that you, even if you go to a movie by yourself, there's something about the other people in the room that you're sharing that with. If you're going to a movie with friends, there's a conversation to be had before, there's a conversation to be had after. And the place where you do that is incredibly important. And to have a place that's actually in the same building as the theater continues that energy and I think makes it ever the more exciting. And for, for Jake and I, who are you know in the New York film community, to also have a place where filmmakers just want to be, whether they're eating breakfast, whether they're having a meeting, whether they're writing, um, whether they're watching movies that are inspiring them, that to have a place for everybody to be uh, was vitally important. And so, yeah, so there's got to be good candy. There's got to be great books. There's got to be a good restaurant. Uh, and most importantly, there's got to be amazing movies uh, to come watch over and over again. And that's kind of where Jake comes in. Um, Jake, you do a lot of the programming here, correct? So how do you how do you decide what to what to choose? Where does that process begin? Um, it's a combination of things that I think will be interesting to me um, or other people um, on staff, and then kind of anticipating what we think the audience might want. Things that if we are excited about it, we think that that enthusiasm can reach the audience too. A big part of it is thinking what hasn't been seen or what has been seen but not in this form. Similar to what Alex is saying, it's I don't feel like we're in competition against the home experience. There are a lot of people who have will show a film that everyone's seen at home, but showing it in 35 millimeter on the screen will still get a huge audience. So it's not necessarily things that are have to be rare. They can be very familiar, but people have not seen them in this way. And I think as I get a little bit older, I realize that there are people who are younger who have not had the same experiences that I have. I mean, at some point when I was younger, I was programming, I think, more for my exact contemporaries. And now I realize that we can show a film like Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together, which I remember when it came out the first time. And it was not a particularly hard film to see. It was playing in many art theaters. But in the interim, it sort of disappeared a little bit from projection and when we showed that recently you know we sold out two shows and that that was that's an example of a film that's sort of like a more recent classic that people want to share with people share with friends revisit themselves or see for the first time projected but in terms of the ideas i mean there's just so a hundred years of cinema to access from all over the world no shortage of no shortage of films uh, yeah. think of. And you reach out to interesting partners. Like I saw the Elton Brown um, series that you're going to have coming up, I think, in November. That's uh, like movies about food. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, part of it was also sort of recognizing that my interests or my colleagues' interests aren't the only ones that exist. You know, I mean, I think that we have a lot of ideas, but I don't necessarily have a favorite food film. 
not because I don't like food, um, but because it's just not something I like necessarily think about. So the question's never been put to me, what's my favorite food film? Alton Brown has given thought to that, clearly. Right. <laughs> and um, I realize that there's an audience that is interested in that. But then, as well, the people who are coming to see The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, are not people seeing it only because they're interested in food. People are interested in Greenaway. People are interested in Helen Mirren. People are interested in that period of British cinema. So there's a way to sort of contextualize it and package it together. Um, but then each of the films that are in that series are appeal to people for different for different reasons. Sure. And it's a pretty wide variety of films yeah. in that series. And I'm interested to know a little bit what the process is because they have to be available as well, yeah. prints. So where do you get, I, I read that you get some from the Library of Congress and where do you sure. get your... I, um, I would say American films, the majority of them um, are you get from a studio. You know, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Sony, which is Columbia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are sort of the big films that we're aware of. Of course, then there's smaller distributors um, who also have films. So with American films, it's pretty much going back to the original source. The prints exist. They're there. They're, they can't all be accessed. Some studios have sort of changed their loaning policies. But um, it's definitely getting harder every day to access these prints. But there's still thousands and thousands and thousands of 35 millimeter prints that the studios and smaller distributors own that are still around from the initial release. Sometimes there's only one print left when a film at one point in time could have been on 2,000 screens. They've destroyed many of them, so there's one left. But that print can be accessed. Then for other titles, there are some wonderful archives like the Harvard Film Archive, uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, UCLA. And they, they have collections, and they make those prints available for loan. And then each of those each of those institutions also does preservation work. So frequently new titles become available that they've restored. The Museum of Modern Art does that, certainly. And then there are a lot of really industrious distributors, um, smaller distributors, who help restore and preserve films. So it's sort of about just paying attention to what's new and out there, and then also realizing that there's like a huge wealth of films that exist that um, are waiting to be accessed. So you uh, project both digital and film. You have yeah. two 35-millimeter projectors? Four. Four 35-millimeter? Two in each house. Okay. Two in each house. Yeah. And how many projectionists do you have on staff? Three. It, we found out yesterday, since we've been open in March, March we've projected over 400 different 35-millimeter prints. That's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and you have the projectionist booth so that people can see inside it. Like up in the restaurant area, you can go and look at it. To me, it reminds me almost like an open kitchen with a chef. Why have you decided to do that, to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit? Well, the process is is the most interesting thing, and the magic that's happening, I think, need not be hidden. And I think also people are even more interested in process all around. I mean, if you go into a restaurant, you're going to ask, is it farm to table? Is it organic? 
are your clothes made in the USA? So people, whatever it is, I think are now much more interested in how something is actually made or presented to them. And so when coming to a cinema, if you can actually see someone hold the, the film up to the light, check the emulsion, um, rewind the reels, put it on the projector. A lot of people don't even realize, as Jake just said, that it's two projectors per theater because uh, we're playing changeover and to actually watch somebody do a changeover is pretty cool and to realize that you know there's a guy up there who's going to not miss that changeover and that's why the movie's continuing to go and you didn't even notice it and uh, there's there's a craft there and a tradition there uh, that is really really interesting and I think to to feel that you're watching something that is part of a tradition and part of uh, a special experience is really cool and so we made that window as big as we could i think i think also that pretty much everything that's going on here in terms of how we're programming how the space is designed how the seats are how the screens are comes from the fact that alex and i go to the movies a lot and we know what we like and we've been going since we're children pretty often so there have been things that we've been discovering as, as we got older. You know, I never thought when I was a kid, how do the prints get here? Do they come in a truck? Who picks them up? How heavy they are? It just, it just appeared on the screen magically. There was just no thought to it. And my feeling was doing something that's sort of rarefied now, projecting so many prints. Beyond the content of the film, we should be explaining to people why we're doing it, why we think it's important, and the pitfalls that go along with it. I get very excited when we get a print that hasn't looks like it's never gone through a projector before, and it's really, really beautiful. And I have no hesitancy in telling the audience, this is a brand new 35 millimeter print. I want it to be transparent in the way that, also if the print's in not great condition, to ex explain why. I don't have to hide that. I can say, this is the only print that existed, and we had to get it from Switzerland, and that's why it has French and German subtitles on it. You know, But this is the way you're gonna see the film. And then let the audience decide, do they wanna come and see a print that is not in immaculate condition, but is extremely rare, or would they prefer to watch that on their device? It's in their hands, you know? So it's just about giving as much information as possible and being able to see the process of how the films are made up and projected as part of that. It's also really hypnotic. I just, just yeah. you know. Yeah, we've had, we've actually now, people hang out there so much that it sometimes becomes a traffic issue. So we have <laughs> to, uh, we have to keep people moving. But yeah, it's, it's incredibly, um, it's, 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 I think, one of the most fun parts of the building. And, and do you find the projectionists that you have, are they, are they young? Are they, are they older folks? They are. They're young, and they're dedicated, and they're excited about it. And they came to projecting here the same way that Alex and I came to programming and designing, like with this incredible enthusiasm. So um, I, maybe they didn't expect 400 prints in, in, eight, in eight months. <laughs> but um, with that, they are they feel that they're part of something that's really interesting and they're contributing to it tremendously. I mean, there's a sort of old adage that like, you know, the projectionist has final cut on any film and um, they know it's in, it's in their hands. They're playing a very, very important role here and they're young and they're enthusiastic and they really feel that they're continuing in a tradition that's been going on since the beginning of cinema. And, well, I, think yeah. you, and I think what's also interesting about them is you can feel that it is actually a generational thing that in some ways I think it skipped a generation that there are, I think, at least the projections I've met, there's a community that is sort of much older than it kind of 
there's not a lot of interest. And then in, in a younger generation, there's, there is a lot of excitement about it. And, uh, and our projectionists are excellent representatives of that. I mean, it's something we see across the board for us for film is this rediscovery by this younger generation of people who are really excited about it. Have you found it's it's easy to find projectionists? Are there people out there with the skills, or is it something where it's uh, it's a tough kind of craft to find people that are ready to come in and start? I mean, I think it's a regional thing. You know, I think we're lucky that here they're just more capable projectionists and a lot of young guys and girls who are really excited about it. I don't know how it necessarily is other places. I mean, it's always difficult to find people who are really good, but um, everyone we found has been has been wonderful. Yeah, and, there, and for us, there's also, I mean, since we do so many crazy things here, it's, whether it's 400 prints or um, a lot of, we have a lot of guests coming and a lot of uh, kind of creative audiovisual things that happen with them. It's uh, it is a pretty exciting job up there, and so it's it is it takes some time to find the right fit for people who are really energized to do a lot because we we do a lot of things here. It's a, right, it's a pretty right. busy. It's a very busy. One story I was telling is the uh, early on when we were doing the marquee, uh, there was some questions as to well, how big does the marquee need to be? How many lines should it be? And we had two theaters, so we're thinking, well, maybe we have three three lines and then i speak to jake and he's like no way no no it's got to be much bigger and so uh, there's a lot of back and forth and we finally landed on six lines and we thought okay well there's no way that we're ever going to need more than six and i think on day seven of the of the theater we ran out of letters and there were we needed more than six lines uh and and because we were just showing so many uh different things that it's that's part of the energy here is that it's just so busy yeah. And you you also support filmmakers, as you touched on earlier, and you allow them to do some of their screenings here. Have you been doing that since you've opened? Well, we have people who come to us who are asking if they could run something and try to accommodate it as best as possible. I mean, I think one of the things that we found is for a lot of filmmakers who are making work that the chance to sort of see their work in a rough cut form on screen in a theater environment is very different than showing a rough cut to people on a monitor. So um, that's something that people have been enjoying. And, you know, it's also because a lot of the filmmakers are people who come here. Um, It's pretty regular to have someone in the audience seeing a film that makes films as well. Um, So in 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 that sense, and I shouldn't all just say filmmakers. That's actors, that's costume designers. There's a community here in New York that we're lucky to have a proximity to. And people who make films on in any different department like like to see films too. So I said this when we first started. I said, oh, I'll judge success on whether or not projects are birthed like from social interactions at Metrograph. And I know that it's, I know that it's happening. Great. That's fantastic. And, and like tonight, for example, Warren Beatty's coming. Um, yeah. And you have a 35 millimeter print of Bullworth that you were yeah. just testing next door. Yeah. So, I mean, as a, I've only been, I've only been here twice. And each time I've been here, you've had either an actor or now Warren Beatty coming, I guess, as actor director. So it's an incredible amount of collaboration that they're having. Now, how, do, how does the audience respond to the film prints and the amount of interaction? I mean, I think the audience seems to really appreciate the film prints. And, but I, I think it's important to say that we're showing a lot of 35 millimeter 
films, not to be precious or not because we think it's, um, I wouldn't say trendy, but there's a very, there's a concrete reason we're doing that. There are a lot of movies we want to see that are available on 35 that are waiting to be shown. If there weren't so many films to choose from, maybe we'd be in a different position. But we're not showing 35mm for the, necessarily for the sake of showing 35mm. I think it looks better. I think the audience realizes now that it's rarefied. But what's perhaps more important than the rarity of just projecting 35mm is the rarity of the films that we are projecting. So as long as there are thousands and thousands of films that people want to see that are available in that format, then we're going to continue to excavate in that way. In terms of the guests, yeah, it's just, it's really, really nice to have people come who are enthusiastic, enthusiastic about film. You know, Viggo Mortensen was here last night, and he spent most of the Q&A not talking about his performance in Captain Fantastic, but talking about films that he liked and uh, films that interested him. And that's really nice to sort of help facilitate. I have no idea what Warren Beatty is going to talk about tonight, but the fact that he's coming is just like, I don't even... It's cool. The and and I think what I think one connection point is that we Jake and I have approached this project basically the way two guys would make a movie, and I think that the process, the adventure, the difficulty, and the love and passion that goes into it is something that um, f- fellow filmmakers sort of understand and respect, and so they 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 really want to support and help and and are excited about it. And so that energy is is uh, is really exciting to to share. And one kind of one fun motif that we always had here was that um, you know a lot of it's inspired by the old Hollywood studios. So the restaurant upstairs is called the Commissary, and the sort of as a romantic idea of a very busy place where people are making movies, doing meetings, talking about movies. And so when, yeah, when there's a filmmaker coming in in the morning doing a rough cut, there's people up in the restaurant having a meeting with their computers out. Um, you know, there's Warren coming later. There's there's a lot of energy happening, all sort of people walking in different directions and meeting each other that is, it's, it's really cool. There's also, yeah, and there's also a degree of it which is just random in terms of what happens to be programmed on the same day. It's this past weekend, we have a weekend-long program dedicated to recent films from Haiti or about Haiti. In the other house, we have a Paul Schrader retrospective. So there's a moment in the lobby where Paul Schrader is meeting filmmakers who are visiting from Miami or other places out of town who've come to show their films. Now, that wasn't a plan five months ago to necessarily have those things on the same day, but they landed that way, and then there's some interaction taking place. That's just natural because it's the lobby, and that's really that's really exciting to, to witness. What was this building before? Was it a theater? It was a warehouse. It was uh, originally built to uh, store locks, not the fish, but the the key, the key in the locks. <laughs> and uh, a lot of locks. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't go fish. First. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately went fish. So the, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I once said that, and I saw people really start thinking, and I had to correct this, and now I felt it's important to clarify immediately. <laughs> That it was, uh, yeah, so it was originally built, it was it was just one large open space uh, when uh, w- the previous tenant was a, was storing food, not um, fish, but dry food, uh, and it took, 
about four years uh, to find this space. So we I tried in, in other locations and as a construction project in Manhattan, it's uh, definitely a very high level of difficulty. Uh, so it took, it took a lot to get the right space and, and from the engineering, from the economics of it, from the timing of it, uh, it was quite, quite an adventure. It's a huge undertaking. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, um, the basically the the brick walls that you're seeing around the perimeter of the building uh and the ceiling in in most places is the original uh structure everything else uh is has been um designed and built inside how has how has alex your work in in fashion and design impacted the way that you approached designing the theater like when when jake was just talking about the design that you you had right from the start do you see these two things as kind of an intersection of those disciplines then passions of yours absolutely and for me metrograph is the marriage of the two things that i love the most in in life which is movies and design and i think the the lessons i've learned over the years in design i think it's it's very much similar to to making films it's it's um you're really when you design things you're usually designing a lot of things whereas a movie you maybe make one every couple years if you're lucky uh so your your work is is sort of spread out over more kind of objects but the but the discipline is ultimately the same and the challenge is the same which is that it really needs to be personal to be good and you you end up with the same kind of conversations on a design side that if it feels like it's sort of came from someone's heart there's there's you may not be able to articulate exactly what that means uh in in a specific design definition but the feeling is there and if something's going to be good it has to it has to really come from the heart and that's how I approach this. Uh, there are probably literally every rule in the book as our contractors definitely threw the book at me. I broke. Uh, there's just a lot of, I mean, you're sitting right now in chairs that are originally built. So we actually, um, you know, when presented with a catalog of thousands of chairs that are normally go in theaters, uh, I closed the catalog and <laughs> the theater consultants, the acoustical consultants all looked at me and said, what, 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 are, what are you doing? And I said, well, these are chairs from a catalog and that's not what's going to happen. Right. In uh, and we then went out and reinvented the wheel and we built our own chair. Everything is uh, custom. There's this, the spring, the fabric, the wood, which came from the Domino Sugar Factory that was at the time being demolished. We got our hands on the wood beams uh, from the from that place wow. and and hand milled uh, these chairs. And uh, and I think that that I mean, on a simple level, that's probably what you make the most physical contact with in a theater is the thing you're going to sit in for two hours. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was um, clearly a thing that needed to be special, unique, elegant, uh, and something that really, I think, set the tone for your experience in the building. Uh, and everything else in the building was the same way. So from the light fixtures to the floors to the acoustical panels, um, everything uh, is sort of has a charm to it hopefully that um reflects my love for for going to movies and my love for for this place and hopefully that's working it is for sure i'd, it, like, I'd hang out here yeah yep could you open one in rochester could we expand <laughs> we'd love to and and, and uh what's been really cool in the last couple of months is jake and i've had some interesting conversations already is uh there's a lot of income and phone calls right now um from all over the world in fact so uh i think 
2017 is going to be an interesting year for us. That sounds very exciting. One one kind of final question is, uh, as you see how your theater has been received, the programming you've created, um, where do you see this go next? And whether it's, you said you've got some interesting calls, but for you specifically, but also in general, where do you think the theater experience and the audience is going to go over the next few years? That's an interesting question. I would say... In a way, it's almost the same answer I had to the last question, which is that it's personal. And I think what people are connecting with here is Jake and and his taste. And, and he's this person who's saying, I think you should see this movie. And, you know, our friendship a lot of the time is I'll say, I'm interested in some idea. Give me some movies to watch, you know. And he thinks for a second, looks up at the ceiling and goes, okay, all right, there's this one from 1971. And... That's that's what's exciting, and that's what people, I think, are responding to. And I think, ultimately, as there's more and more, you know, the word people use is content out there in the world, that it's harder and harder to figure out what you actually want to see and what you even might like, that the emphasis will become more and more on the curators, the people who are actually helping you um, make some choices. And so I think it is, it just gets more and more personal is, is how I would yeah. answer that question. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, th- I think that the more people come and see films that they like or introduced to things that they hadn't seen before and are comfortable in this space and reminded how pleasurable the experience of going out to see a movie can be, that they'll want to have more of it. And I think for a lot of people that I know, there's a feeling that there's something special that they could give to their friends or their children or their parents by experiencing this together. Kenneth Lonergan was here the other day and I said, oh, you should really select some films to show. And he said, okay, wait, I gotta pick ones that I've never seen projected before or that my daughter has never seen projected before. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. You know, it's already, it's making a special experience in that way. And, um, I don't know, I think a lot of us like like listening to records or certain books or visiting certain places. It's something that just people have a lot of memories about. And it, I think as long as people are going to want to like spend time with each other, then people are going to want to come to movies. When I mean, maybe there's a version of this that happens when like people go on like... <laughs> dates with robots and stuff like that <laughs> and, and see what happens. I don't know how, I don't know how AIs will react to, uh, to the theaters. Yeah. But as long as like people want to be with other people, um, you know, alone together in the dark, um, then, um, they'll keep coming to the movies. So, well, thank you so much guys for taking the time to talk with us. We're really excited to see what, what's to come from here. Okay. Thank, thank you. Very you. Much. Thank, thank you. you. It's great. It is a great satisfaction to be able to speak to you through the medium of this wonderful invention.